All right, uh, let's see. Uh, okay, I wanted to make sure I had the number right. I was thinking this time. Oh, what, 66? 66, here we wow, are. Okay. Episode 66. 66. Yeah. Route 66, which I think no longer exists. That's correct. Um, we we don't usually do like really rock-heavy projects on this show, I think, but this, the, these We're not guys very are, cool. These guys are pretty rock-heavy, I think. I mean, yeah. there might have been a little bit of electronics to them, but if so, it might have been like in the form of a drum machine fill. These guys were pretty straightforward. A, some, a traditional rock setup. There's some like stray saxophone. Yes, places. but I still like. I mean, that still counts. I think in the overall scheme of rock music, right? I guess uh, we are talking about San Francisco's own darling no wave band, Romeo Void, this week. Yep. Um, who I have loved for a very long time, ever since I I heard one of their songs when I was like 14, and I was like, oh, this is what new wave music is. Yeah, it's it's kind of funny that as I was really wondering and like in show prep how you define Romeo Void because they're so like you did it with no wave. Mm-hmm. I kind of think of them as like a post punk. Yeah, I think no I think wave. That's and, what's beautiful about them. No it's wave like, and post punk kind of go hand in hand, yeah. though, don't you think? Yeah, I don't know. Like there's some people who sound more no wave. Then post punk, and then more post punk. Then I don't know. To me, like overall, it's more post punk. But I'm just being weird. So and see, I the think semantics. I think like the fact that they have that saxophone and just the structure of their songs and their lyrics. I think lean very heavily toward new wave. Yes. So I I think they kind of exist in this very special place that really I I don't know that anybody else really specifically filled. Like if you hear a song, you know it's a Romeo Void song. Yeah. I think. Mm-hmm. Um, so Romeo Void formed 1979 um, when Deborah Eall and Frank Zinkavage met at the San Francisco Art Institute. Does they, she really pronounce her name Deborah? Yes, it is pronounced Deborah. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, they uh, soon after added a guitarist named Peter Woods. Um, and then um, I saw Deborah describe in an interview that the adding the adding the of a sax player, Benjamin Bossy, she called it a wonderful accident, but she didn't elaborate on that. So I'm not sure exactly what was accidental about his addition. Maybe um, he just showed up one day and then he was there and <laughs> someone didn't like him. Maybe it was her. And then she kept waiting for him to go away and he never did. And she was hey, like, hey, wonderful hmm. accident. But or maybe she, maybe she <laughs> I mean, got used there, to him. Is there a situation in which one might accidentally happen upon a saxophone player? Um, is that a thing? Can you just be like, oh, I think I want a cheeseburger. So you like go down to the burger stand and there just happens to be a guy playing a saxophone outside and you're like, I'm starting a band and could use you. Like, how do you accidentally encounter I, a sax player? I think that happens every day in Portland. <laughs> San Francisco. In Portland. Oh, okay. Yeah. I'm just like thinking of places where that would be like. A Maybe that was that the happened. wonderful accident because they were expecting that to happen <laughs> in Portland. You a cheeseburger place and there's a saxophone guy. Anyway. All right. We've, we've cracked the case. Yeah. Let's put That's that one in the books for the, the clang, Forensic clang. Baltimore Institute. <laughs> clang, clang. We, we were just talking off mic about how we really need a sounder for the uh, the Forensic Baltimore Institute. I'll come up with something. Oh, yeah. We, we, we need something. Um. So, yeah, they um, they got signed to, um, oh, and curse me for not writing down the name of their record label. I'm going to have to look it up. I want to say it's 415. Four, four, I was going to say 451. 415 it's, is the area code of San Francisco. Oh, look at you coming look through. Look at me. <laughs> look at me. Um, clang, clang. So they, <laughs> they get signed. To that this. actually should be our thing. Just like, it's like the law and order clang, clang, but like you can do it all sassy. So we can be like, clang, clang. But we just say clang, clang. But where's the Baltimore tie-in? It needs a Baltimore tie-in. Oh, <laughs> yeah. clang, clang. <laughs> All right, whatever. Oh, sorry. <laughs> um, 
So they get signed to uh, 415 Records and put out their debut record, It's a Condition, in 1981. Kind of their setup, according to Deborah, was that she wrote the lyrics and then Zinkavage and Woods wrote the music. Mm -hmm. Um, And then they magically had this wonderful accident of a sax player. And it seems like the drummer was kind of irrelevant. I feel like they changed drummers a bunch. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know. Also, something very interesting that I saw on their Wikipedia page that I'm going to read about their name, Romeo Void. Oh, okay. Which I love so much. Romeo Void officially formed on Valentine's Day in 1979. According to Iol, the name Romeo Void referred to a lack of romance and came to mind after they saw a local magazine with the headline, Why Single Women Can't Get Laid in San Francisco. But, I mean, good lord, did that not inform the next three albums of lyrics that she would write? Oh, yeah, totally. Yeah, I just... (laughs) That's awesome. I just love it. I've never heard that story. can't get laid in San Francisco. I love it. (laughs) It's fantastic. Um, Yeah, I'm going to talk a lot about Deborah's amazing lyrics this episode. Yeah. um, Because she is just a fantastic writer. And um, really is just... I I, I really... If you haven't figured this out by now, if you've listened to the show for any length of time, I really have this thing for people who are able to be very vulnerable in their lyrics. I really Mm -hmm. admire that a lot. Um, people who are confident yet vulnerable. And I think that she just totally nails that. Um, So their first record, It's a Condition, comes out in 1981. They dropped this single, Myself to Myself, um, which the the full lyric, if you read it or or listen to it, is uh, I can't keep myself to myself. Mm -hmm. It's kind of about this, the balance between how you want to be understood, but also you want to be included in society, but also you you feel like, oh, I need to withdraw. Nobody's ever going to understand me. Some pretty heavy stuff to drop for your first single. Uh, also, the percussion is insane. Yeah. Um, like, it's a little bit anxiety triggering because it's just like this really fast drum. I yeah. don't know how. I've never heard anything like that um, in rock music anyway. And it's, yeah, it's it's a lot. It's an interesting little unique sound. They actually released this. I, I'm not sure if it was the B side um, to myself to myself or if it was a double A side situation. But White Sweater also comes out um, same time. Um, there's I, what I love about this one is that there's like this. She she changes her delivery right mm-hmm. so that when the music starts out and it's kind of it's softer at the beginning. I'm sorry, my cat has a like a tennis ball toy and is going ape shit running around uh, the, our recording table right now. She keeps doing that and she keeps looking at me like, "Bitch, she's, I know you see me." <laughs> she's very excited. <laughs> um, anyway, I, I love how the music in this one starts off real soft and Deborah is kind of almost at a whisper, and then when the music picks up, she starts going back into her kind of her grandiose vocals. Her delivery is just perfect for this. Yeah, I think this is one of the jazziest of Romeo Void. It's got that meandering little bass line where you're not quite sure where it's going and it just feels like it's some sort of jazz improvisation. Yeah. I don't know if I like it. That that like that melange of of the drums and the sax and the bass. That like that is Romeo Void. They yeah. were they always work so well in tandem. Yeah. I think the structure is very like the structures are very punk music, but then they've got these weird little elements that mellow it out and don't quite fit and Right. They pop it up. It's like that's yeah. that's the new wave part of it, right? That's the kind of where yeah, it goes it's the a little contradictions. bit pop. Exactly. Um, I don't know. The lyrics of this one, I, I felt like it, she was kind of singing about like watching someone die. And I assume it's like obviously a metaphorical death. But 
she keeps talking about you know di- wearing a white sweater, finding your bloody body in a white sweater, or something like that. She's I think she referenced the bloody body. Uh, I don't know. It's it's interesting. It's weird. Um, I had to talk about confrontation because, again, I just love these lyrics. Um, I, I feel like I wish like all my actual real life fights were like this song, <laughs> since I have so many fights. Yeah, I know. Yeah, no, I, I think this was like actually a pretty accessible song compared to the rest of the album. As far as like you know, it's got kind of a really nice little dancey beat. It's pretty accessible musically. I love some of those lyrics. I loved um, what turns me on that pisses you off. That's so, that's like, that's so Romeo Void. That's so Deborah E. All. So and uh, I loved I'm Too Big for a Girl When I Smell, I Reek, also. <laughs> girl preach. Yeah, she just is like, I'm not here for your shit. I love it. So it was um, around this time um, that they were performing in Boston and they happened to run into Rick Ocasek of the cars in their hotel room. Of course. And so he, he she, according to Deborah, to Deborah, Rick Ocasek approached them in their hotel and said, yo, I want to I want to bring you guys into my studio and I want to produce a song for you. So they did. And uh, that song was Never Say Never. Um, I did not know which that. Which ended up being on uh, Benefactor, which was their second album. But yeah, Never Say Never came out the, the next year, 1982, was produced by Rick Ocasek. Um, and I, I once heard someone describe, of course, the the iconic lyric in, in Never Say Never is, mm-hmm. I might like you better if we slept together. And I once heard someone describe that as the greatest insult and come on in one phrase. I, this and is, it really kind of is. I mean, you know, that's what it song, is. This song... Here's my thing with Romeo Void. I've never been huge into Romeo Void. To me, they have they hold this place in like my musical listening history of being like 20 and in college and loving 80s music, but needing 80s music to be a little bit cooler and like going into the darker stuff. So like this is one of those ones that always sticks with me still to this day. Like I don't have great taste in men. But when I like when I met my current dude, I'm going to talk about this as he ain't going to listen to this. I think one time I made him listen to the show and I think he lasted five minutes. He was like, shut up. Uh, He's like the worst. And I just remember the first time I met him and I was just like, I remember thinking I might like you better if we slept together. Like, that's the only way this is. This is me not killing you. And like, I don't know. I just always have that in the back of my head. It's one of those things that sticks there. That that's interesting. That interpretation of the lyric never came across uh, to me. Yeah, because I've that's not an emotion I've experienced. That I love that that's your experience with it. <laughs> it's like all the emotions but, I experience in romantic life, Max. See, I always took it as like 
a something that you would say if you're trying to come off confident when you actually suffer from um, a confidence problem. I do. And I, I love I love that side of it. You know, that kind of that catty like, well, I might like you better if we slept together. But really what you're saying Hell is, yeah. please sleep with me. <laughs> yeah. And I, I just musically, we have to talk about this song, too, because this, instantly again, this is one of those. It starts with that. Uh, well, the good version anyway, starts with goes right into that guitar Mm-hmm. And just it, it's it's that Romeo Void guitar. Like you hear that guitar and you're like, this is a Romeo Void song. Yeah, it's like kind of a muted production. And it's just like, I don't know. It's what I love about the way she delivers lyrics. It's like such that like cold kind of sexiness. It's so cool. And it's so it's so cool. I, yeah, it's, I don't it's, know. It, it, it's a little bit waitressy. It, I was it's just going to say that. Yes. It's the, the other person <laughs> it reminds me of is Patty Donahue and the waitresses. Mm-hmm. It's the same kind of just like. Yeah, this is me, and I love myself, and you're going to love me too, and if you don't, I don't give a shit. Yeah. And I, I just respect the hell out of that. I really yeah, do. Yeah, this is, this is the Romeo Void song that just always will stick with me. They did release another single off of Benefactor. It was called Undercover Kept. I feel like this is the closest they ever get to like the way a pop song is structured. Mm-hmm. I think this is like the poppiest that they ever get. Oddly enough, though, it was not their biggest chart hit. Oh no! Yeah, I mean, it's they like still have they still have not charted anywhere yet. By the it's way, it's got like a pretty like poppy, which I think is interesting because I think time will tell that like Never Say Never is their biggest song, but it's not their biggest chart hit, Correct. which is very weird to me because I did not know that until I was researching I know. This. Isn't I that like, weird? How in the hell? Did, no, yeah. Never Say Never never charted. That's why a good song will always outlast. That's um, right. Yeah. And is Undercover kept about prostitution? That's what, what I wrote. Actual hell? I, I, I literally wrote exactly <laughs> that. This is probably about prostitution. <laughs> I wrote, is this about prostitution? I mean, it has to be, right? Like, I, I think this is about ladies of the night. Um, I did. I also, I did write one more of Deborah's lyrics that I just love. I uh-huh. loved the bounce is big, the bouncers bigger. I know. I Isn't that great? I I don't know. I, yeah, I like it's about it. prostitutes like very carefully trying to weave through a mm-hmm. nightclub and you know get their clientele without getting thrown out. Oh, girl, I, get yours, get yours, girl. Deborah singing in 1982 about the shaming of sex workers, like Roxanne. I love it. On the floor, there's two shows We definitely weren't going to get away without talking about this. Uh, their version of Wrap It Up. What a weird history this song has, by the way. I was trying to do some research on it. For whatever reason, it is very difficult to find. Like, if there is a song that was an album cut for several people, it's really tough to figure out how many different people recorded it, right? Yeah. So I only know of two versions of this song. But um, I was really shocked to find out who wrote it. So I Romeo Void does, I think their version is the earliest that mm-hmm. I could find, because this is 1982. 
The Fabulous Thunderbirds, who mm-hmm. had a more well-known version, I think, they actually released it as a single. Romeo Void did not. Their version was from 1986. Have you ever heard that version? Once. The, the blues, you know Fabulous Thunderbirds, mm-hmm. the blues rock. Okay. Mm-hmm. This song was written by David Porter, um, who wrote, among other things, this guy has the weirdest songwriting history. He's this insanely prolific songwriter. So here's some of this dude's credits. He wrote Hold On, I'm Coming and Soul Man, the Sam and Dave songs. Mm-hmm. Okay. He wrote Dream Lover, the Mariah Carey song. Yes. And he wrote Will Smith's Getting Jiggy With It. The Who same is this guy, man? The same guy wrote all of those songs. Is that not mind-blowing to you? Who the hell you? is that? And Right, and why have I never heard of him? I don't believe him. But the other, the co-writer, it was David Porter and frickin' Isaac Hayes. <laughs> That's who wrote Wrap It Up. Is that not hilarious? It's a great song. It's I really like this song. It's, Their version of it rules. I like it yeah. so much better than the Fabulous Thunderbirds version. Yeah, I mean, it's fun. It's like somehow like Romeo Void's version of kind of being like a cute little fun pop song, which I really love. Totally. Like, it doesn't really seem like it fits with them, but I'm glad they did it. The uh, the fabulous T-Birds version, by the way, comes up at work sometime. I work in television news, and if you're trying to get somebody to wrap it up, sometimes we used to start singing this in the control room. <laughs> wrap it up, I'll take it. <laughs> Good times. also wanted to talk about shake the hands of time um which is kind of about a dude who deserves no time but so, some girlfriend I'm, of hers has given this dude time anyway and he doesn't deserve it right i am all about a song that's like fucking get rid of that jerk he's <laughs> yeah, the worst right? i love any song about that because more than likely i'm not maybe not all men but like most <laughs> men like yeah all i men. believe all men i believe deborah here and you have to love the lyrical wordplay too of get that jerk off your mind yeah <laughs> get that jerk off that's just that's just deborah being deborah <laughs> love it he left a hole in the wall you asked him he called tonight tonight honestly honestly tonight today the chair in his chair was a Romeo Void would only ever release one more album, Instincts, in 1984, the um, lead single of which ended up being their only foray into the Billboard Hot 100. And it's so weird because I feel like people don't remember this song. Like, if I, you bring up Romeo Void, they're going to bring up Never Say Never, right? Yeah. But nobody ever brings up A Girl in Trouble as a Temporary Thing. Yes. Which is number 35. And also, a totally badass phrase, by the way. Mm-hmm. Uh, and true. And apparently is a response to Billie Jean. Really? Yes. It's like a... Yeah. I did not know that. Yeah, I read that. It's apparently Deborah's response to Michael Jackson's Billie Jean like a year later. How funny. Uh, yeah. Also, um, a little, you know, who did the synth on Billie Jean. Uh, Off oh. B-Track's favorite, Bill Wolfer. Oh, not Bill Wolfer. I mean, we have a Bill Wolfer connection, kind of. Yeah, kind of. All right. <laughs> I just, I just, All right, we can bring Bill Wolfer up in this episode. <laughs> just, Good as on you. As soon as I read that, I was like... 
Noted, like, noted vanity and uh, Billie Jean synth enthusiast. Noted mystery man. Bill Wolfer. Bill Wolfer. <laughs> um, yeah, this was a number 35 hit on the Billboard Hot 100, and I just love it. It's just like, women oh, don't yeah. take any shit, you know. I mean, it says it all in the title. A girl in trouble is a temporary thing. If a mm-hmm. woman is in trouble, she ain't going to be in trouble for long. Yep. You gotta love it. Yeah. One more final single here to talk about. Say no. Um, again, just some great Deborah lyrics. I love "Were we ten years younger five years ago?" Oh, I know. Like, what a great lyric. Here's the thing. I I think about this song like the Romeo Void version. It's fine. It's very Romeo Void. Cool. But like, I think that this song has like sneaky pop appeal. Like all I can hear is like a synth pop cover of this by somebody. Oh, interesting! That would be the perfect sad song that sounds happy. Like someone do it. Like I don't do have love time. Those. But oh my god, come on! Like say no is a perfect song. Okay, I love it. noted for that. So Deborah um, noted in an interview that I watched with her that Columbia, um, because they were signed to Columbia by Mm -hmm. now, basically dropped them in the middle of their tour for instincts. She said they were halfway across the country and Columbia just said, and and she said, well, when the when the label says it's over, it's just kind of over and there's nothing you can do about it. So Mm -hmm. it seems that is what happened. And Romeo Void disbanded. They did reunite very, 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 very briefly in 2004 on an episode of Bands Reunited. Uh, VH1 did get them back together and got them back on stage, and they played and sounded awesome. And uh, they all seem, you know, they all get along. It doesn't seem like there was any kind of nasty beef between them or anything like that. They all love each other, respect each other. It was good times. Yeah, I think Deborah, from what I read, just kind of got a little bit sick of it, too, because Columbia was always pressuring her to lose weight. Um, and she was like, mm, dog, I don't really fucking feel like it. Right. Go to hell. <laughs> yeah. So I think after a lot of pressuring, you know, to do a certain, you know, to do certain things. And she was like, I don't really care about going above and beyond to work with Columbia. So then Columbia was like, all right, cool. And I don't think she really sweated it very much. You know, it was just kind of like, you know what? This isn't going to work on, you know, I think it was a little bit mutual because That's they right. were just kind of sick of the shit. And uh, yeah, so... Deborah was a. They were always trying to make her into Blondie. There was a lot of stuff I read about. It was always, you know, at the time, Blondie's huge, and you got this little blonde girl, and she was like, I'm not this little blonde girl. You know, like, I would, you know, I was the dark haired, bigger girl, and I don't care what you're going to do and what sound you want me to have. I'm going to look the way I look, and I'm not going to be Debbie Harry. That's right. Yeah, which I love. 
Um, at the time in 2004, she was teaching art classes in 29 Palms, California, which I think is where she lives. Um, I think that since then that Romeo Void had, I think they do like, you know, shows here and there, just like hmm. little fun reunion stuff like there. You can find a couple clips it's definitely of her on YouTube uh, in more recent years singing Romeo Void songs. So I, I don't know. I hope she's happy. I always respected the shit out oh, of Deborah yeah. Eall. And I just I think she's an amazing person. Um, I know one of the other guys in Romeo Void also moved to Japan and, and teaches there. Um, I'm not he, surprised. He was around in, <laughs> in, the, in the Bands Reunited <laughs> episode, too. Um, so, yeah, that's that's Romeo Void. Um, love them for what they were. They were sexy and frank and uh, just not here for your shit. And we are pro that at Offbeat Tracks. That very all much the so. Time. Um, so if you would like to tell us how much of our shit you are not here for, you can reach <laughs> us on our website, which is offbeattrackscast.com. We have so much shit. We're also on uh, Twitter at Offbeat Tracks. Yeah, we'll be back next week with something, uh, I was going to say a little poppier, but it's actually quite a bit poppier, it's like isn't kind it? of the opposite. <laughs> it's like, yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, until then, um, I'm Max. I'm Danielle. See ya.